Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. You may have been driving around the city of Hamilton sometime in the last few days and thought, wait a second, did I just see... Clark W. Griswold drive by me on the way to the tree farm. Well, you weren't, you didn't have to, you weren't concussed and you didn't have to stop for a roadside check. Let's put it that way. You may have actually seen what you thought you saw because driving around the city of Hamilton these days is in fact not the Griswold family truckster, but a close enough representation of the Griswold family truckster that it will catch your eye if you are if you are not real. If you're just off dreaming away and then you go, wait, wait, what? what? Well, the guy's name behind it is Sean Kiley, and uh, he joins us now. Sean, how are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for doing this. I, I, how, I'm guessing that as you're driving this around, we're going to talk about the car, but does everybody stop and look when you drive by with this thing? Well... Only those who watch the movie, which seems to be about 90% of the population. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think so. It is, uh, for those who, do, well, okay, if you don't know what we're talking about, you do have a homework assignment. Go and watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You should have done this long ago anyway. Nonetheless, for those who have, you know what we're talking about. It is a large green wood paneled station wagon. Um, uh, I, Sean, am I, am, I, am I insulting anyone by saying a little ugly? No, no, you're understating it. <laughs> okay. All right. I wasn't sure if this, you know, t- everyone has different tastes, but this is, um, yeah, th- this looks a lot like it. But is it my understanding that when you first got this vehicle, was was this really the intent or did you just want this vehicle? No, no. I We had, as everyone says to me when, I, when they stopped me and talked to me, we used to have one of those. Everyone says that. So I was in the same boat. I used to have one of those. So when I saw this one in pretty good condition, I just thought I would really like to have one of those again. And it just kind of went from there. There was no grand plan, but uh, it's turned into a, a fun thing. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's where we've, how we've ended up here. Where was the car? What, you didn't buy it originally. It's not your new car. You bought it no, used. No, so where, where was it? In Dundas. Well, I live in Dundas. This is in Dundas as well. I did some some jobs for a, a retired McMaster chemistry professor, uh, Russell Bell, and uh, he was a lovely, charming fella. And I told him, I just really admire your car. And and as time went on, uh, you know, his, his wife said, yeah, we know you like it. So I kind of thought, well, you know, eventually came the time that he passed away and, and I was able to purchase it from him. And uh, yeah, no, no master plan. It just kind of happened. And uh, he had great fun with it. He went to Alaska twice towing the family, uh, the family with the camper and, uh, you know, that uh, I have all the logs of everything he ever did to it. It's a lovely maintained vehicle. And I just, I have the privilege of, of, uh, extending its life and hopefully for many years. So it's been a well-loved vehicle. It's the, as oh, I say, yeah. it's been, it's yeah. been out there for a while. Okay. So when you bought this and um, again, my understanding, tell me if I get the story wrong, but early on when you had this, you used it to go and buy a Christmas tree one year so exactly. far, correct? Okay. Our own, our own Christmas tree. Uh, for in the house, natural tree, and uh, I I hadn't seen the movie at that point. But uh, oh, oh, so you had no idea when you strapped the no, tree to this? I, you had no I, idea I, I, what I, you were doing. No, I had an idea. I mean, we all have sort of cultural references of you know uh, wagon with the tree, but I hadn't seen the movie, and I didn't really know any of the lines that people now quote to me. Uh, but anyway, people wanted to pose as we had our tree strapped down, wanted to pose in front of the the wagon to take pictures. My wife and I said, "Sure, wouldn't want the rush. Go ahead." And uh, so I left it up for a couple of days. I said, well, we don't have to put it in the house right away. And uh, lots more people stopped and waved and this, that, and the other. So that kind of led to the next year. Well, why don't I get a tree just to keep on, on the car for the month of December? 
And then this year, Karen decided to put a wreath on the grill and I put lights on the tree and, you know, it's just kind of getting away from it. But, uh, <laughs> whatever. People are enjoying it, so. Did you know that first year when you just went to the tree farm and put a tree on top and people started stopping you, were you surprised at how many people were interested? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it's it's kind of a time of the year when we pause and we allow ourselves to enjoy ourselves a bit more, I think. And, and even the lady out where I get the tree, Nimi is her name, and Mark's Christmas tree, she was well familiar with the, with the movie. And uh, she said, this is great, you know. And so I sent her a text of it and then, uh, you know, a picture of it. And she says, so happy to, 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 to help, you know, uh, keep, the, keep the spirit of Christmas you know, like more and more active. Because, you know, at this time of year, we need to focus on good news stories. Absolutely. So, okay, so after you started to realize with all these people stopping you, never really was the plan, but you realize now that this is connecting in some way. How long was it after that that you raced in to find a copy of the movie and watch it to find out what was all this about? Oh, um... Like within days or weeks? Yeah, one of my nieces the first year kind of was making fun of me, saying, you haven't even seen the movie? So I rushed off to the library and and brought it home and watched it and just, just, just chuckled, just, just really enjoyed myself, so... But I have to tell you, before I forget, because I might, last year when, when Hamilton had the Grey Cup, we hosted it in December. I happened to drive down slowly, because obviously there was tons of traffic, around the stadium prior to the game, <laughs> bumper to bumper traffic. It was just madness. Everybody was just hooting and hollering and posing with it. And, you know, I was just crawling along with my Santa hat on and thumb out the window. And uh, anyway, that's a side story, but yeah. No, it's, you know, what's going to have to happen is one of these years we had a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, I can't remember now, we had, there was a guy in, hmm, I have to remember where this was, who bought the original RV from Christmas oh. Vacation. Oh my gosh. And he puts it up in, in car shows and things. And I'm thinking one of these years we'll have to get him to drive through this area and you to tag along behind him. You, you will, you will cause accidents. You know that you will, people <laughs> will, will crash into each other, just turning and looking to see the, uh. The, the, the yeah, whole Christmas vacation parade. into a movie scene, yes. It really is. Now, do you do, I know, again, this is relatively new, but you've, you've obviously latched on to this now and you've embraced the whole thing. Do people say, hey, can you swing by the house or can you swing by, do you do, do requests now? Uh, oddly enough, last night, my wife and I were out and uh, we, we were asked to stop by the Dundas Lions Community Center. They're having a... Uh, dinner, so we were there, and we got to have the, the the executive, I guess, pose in front of it, and that. So I'm open to it. I mean, it's just at this point, I, I'm just you know, I'm retired, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm always out and about doing stuff. So yeah, no, if somebody asked to see it, and, and it was wasn't inconvenient, I, I'd be there absolutely. It is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's and the car. I mean, it does look great, and it looks with with the tree on it, and the. Uh, the best part about this, I think, is the fact that you had no idea at first. Now, of course, it, it looks like it's, you know, as I say, embracing the idea, but I just love the idea of the first time around being a, yeah. kind of oblivious. That, that, that makes it way better. Because if you were doing it's it to get attention in the first place, that's kind of different, but it was it was a very innocent thing by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, we could have picked up our Christmas tree initially on, on my old Volvo wagon, but uh, now I thought, now nah, we were out for a drive on a nice dry day with the, perfect. With the, the Woody wagon. and uh, yeah, The Woody so, wagon, yep, started, perfect. Yep. Sean Kiley, uh, listen, really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. And, and again, people can keep their uh, keep their eyes out. Sean, I'm sure, will be around over the next little while. He lives in town. He yeah, lives in Dundas. I, I always so. have the window down. Even when it's cold, I'm happy to wave to anybody. Sean, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it.
You're most welcome. All the best now. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you as well. That is, uh, that is awesome. If you, if, you get, if you can go to thespec.com, uh, John Rennison, uh, photojournalist at The Spectator, got some great pictures of this. It is, uh, it's kind of perfect. Ben, you've been, you know, Ben in for a second. You've, you've seen the movie before, of course. This is, this is perfect. Oh, I love the idea, especially the fact that it starts with the innocence yes. of having this just, oh, that's no a pretty idea. nice car. Yeah, no I idea. I like it. It's just a cool 1970s wood paneled green station wagon that is not by today's standards attractive. I got to say, we should bring back wood paneling for cars. We should. You know what else we should do? We should have Sean come by the station one day and uh, <laughs> like, do people do photos with Santa Claus instead do photos with the car out front. I think it would be fantastic. I think it would be great, actually. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll touch base with him afterwards. I'll come up with an idea. If we ever need to put up a real Christmas tree, we can get, you know, two scale. Surely we yeah, could find one, one of those. The, the Christmas tree of hope, the 40-footer, <laughs> we'll, we'll get him to drive it in next year, hanging off the front and the back. That would actually be awesome. The bumpers might be scraping all around, but I mean, that would be so good. It would, although I'm not really sure. You know, people from the city probably go, oh, I don't know if we can use that. <laughs> That's, you know, it's much, much more serious than that. Uh, Are you licensed to drive a vehicle that long, sir? <laughs> Anyway, go look it up. Go look at thespec.com if you want to see uh, what this looks like. You'll be glad you did. And, and as I say, look for Sean driving around uh, in town. You will, uh, you will see that. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The star of CHCH 6 o'clock news every night. The star, the man that everyone tunes in to see. Forget that Perkins guy and all those other. It is Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. Sir, how are you? I wish that was true. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. I, I think you should not only demand a big pay increase knowing that, but also the big corner dressing room. You know how long I've been asking? <laughs> yeah. What, but, but Perkins has the one with the putting green and the hot tub in it? Yeah, he's, he's got some kind of workout thing for his legs, for his thighs that he's always bragging about. You know, Take can, a look on Instagram. Ken Welsh, once upon a time, used to come and do, I know he used to do the sports before you, and he'd wear a jacket and a tie, but shorts. And I'm guessing that Perkins is the same. He's got the shorts on to show off the thighs under the table to the staff. Yeah, and, and, and some, like, I don't know, kind of, like, clogged flip-flops to, to, <laughs> to show off the calves and the thighs. So. Clogs. Yeah, that, that that's a good look. A jacket and tie and clogs. <laughs> It's like Phil Perkins, who I didn't think had any Dutch in his background, has suddenly become from the Netherlands. Yeah, he's got some kind of a Korean uh, Dutch thing going on. Which is, you know, which is a very common thing, the Korean-Dutch connection. It's a, it's a common thing. Uh, Bubba, we uh, had the last semifinal from the World Cup today with France and uh, Morocco. And it doesn't matter who won. It was France. I was kind of hoping for Morocco for the underdog. But nonetheless, that's not the point. The point is there is one game left now in the World Cup. We've had this tournament. It's been going on for four weeks, five weeks, whatever it is. It's been fun. It's been a good tournament. No question about that. Nothing about the tournament itself. It's been great. But now that there is one game left and you realize that Qatar spent $229 billion on this, is it worth it? I think you could say that about any big ticket item in sports. Um, you know, 
I don't know if you ever make your money back, but certainly, it, you know, it's a wonderful bragging for your country to say that you're, you've hosted or are hosting this type of an event, a worldwide event. The eyes of the world are on you. This is a tournament which I believe in some ways really does rival the Olympics, even bigger, you know, with the Olympics. Bigger. I, I think it is. I mean, I, I, I would say rival just because it, it may offend some people, but I think when you look at that sport, it's the only sport, at least that I can think of, that has a national team. Every country, regardless of size, has a national team. The, yeah, the only other think, sport, Bubba, that I would say could be comparable as far as that everywhere in the world does it is running. It, it, it's yeah, track and field for sure, and not I even all not be. even all the events, just pure running. Every yeah. every country has people who run, and every country has people who play soccer. I don't think you can say that for anywhere else. Anything else? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I, I think it's slightly different because you got this. It, you have this qualification process that goes on for the better part of two years that you're kind of following and hoping and dreaming. And, you know, I don't know how many, I mean, you, you're a smarter man than I, I don't know how many countries there are in the world, but the fact that you've got to narrow it down to 32 and then it goes into this situation, I think that's what makes these stories like Morocco, um, Croatia, a, a country of, what, 39 million that actually make the semifinals and are going to play in that third-place game and reach the final in 2018. So... Uh, is there is there a financial benefit? I mean, I don't think Qatar cares. They're a pretty wealthy country as it is. But I think in their minds, the eyes of the world were on them. Um, and despite some controversies in the early part of the tournament, the first couple days of the tournament, rights issues, that kind of stuff, everything, all that kind of stuff just kind of fades away. And I kind of see that in the Olympics, too. There's always some type of controversy. But the tournament was so good, it just kind of took over with, uh, you know, the app, with, you know, countries like Morocco making these crazy runs, yeah. Saudi Arabia beating Argentina in their first game. Who could forget that? Uh, 195, by the way, is the answer. And I didn't know that. I had to just look it up. Um, but no, so yes. And, and I forgot someone just called in and you also said it, that I said there's one game left. Yes, there are two. There is the third place game. I don't know how many people really care about that one, but technically, yes, you're correct. There don't are tell two. the Croatians that. No, I know. <laughs> but the reason I ask about whether it's worth it, and this is something that has been discussed before. And I really think this is yet another example. Sochi, when they had the Winter Olympics and they spent $55 billion, something like that, to build the venues, Beijing spent a fortune. I am more and more of the opinion now that whether it's the Olympics or the World Cup or whatever, that if you bid on one of these because they cost so bloody much to put these things on, your bid should be for like three events, not in a row, but... That, let's say, and I was talking with Scott Thompson last hour about this, let's say that in, in the Olympics in 2022, if we were having them this year, you would have London this year, you would have Paris in 2026, you would have New York in 2030, and then in 2034, we're coming back to London again, and you do it on a, like a three-time cycle or something, which means A, it's going to be used more than once, and B, because it's not in a row... In the meantime, you still have to maintain those facilities and make sure they remain useful. So you're going to have at least, say, 25 years with the money you've spent where those facilities are going to be in play. I just think that 200, now this is outrageous anyway, but 220, whatever I said, $229 billion for four or five weeks, there, there can be no defense of that. 
even if it well, was a great tournament? I, I think there, I think there's two different mindsets here. I think the Olympics is a different scenario because you're looking at different uh, venues of different types. I mean, just the Winter Olympics alone, a curling, but somewhere to go curling, somewhere to ski, somewhere for ski jumping, uh, something for hockey. Um, you know, hills to for for uh, slalom and and you know that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different types of venues. I think the World Cup's a little different because you're just building stadiums for soccer. Which all could be used, you know, if they have a domestic league, um, and that's what a lot of that money because they just did not have the infra- infrastructure to play that many games. Now they do, and you can attract friendlies. You can do a lot of things. So I think definitely for soccer, I think it does work. But I think uh, what you're saying with the Olympics, uh, I think what you're talking about in terms of going to maybe a say let's say half dozen places for the winter and summer Olympics. I think that's already going to happen. I, I think, you know, we've already seen, I think you talk about countries that wasted money. I, to me, there is no bigger example than what happened in Greece, right? There, Greece is horrendous. Greece is horrendous. If people go online and type in Athens Olympic venues, mm-hmm. and you've done this, I know, it is hor- most of these are now dust bowls. They are broken down, falling apart, abandoned, nothings. The, it was well, just like millions it. that was wasted. Well, think about it. Were they ever playing baseball in no. Greece? No, no, like so. They have a stadium there that, you know, the I, I've seen pictures of grass that is. I and, and I'm not looking lying to your your listeners here. I've seen pictures with grass that's easily three feet high. Yes, that stadium is no longer recognizable as what we what we saw at, at that year of the Olympics. No, people should go uh, seriously uh, when we're done. Go online and look up Athens Olympic venue, something like that. Uh, and, and it it will be it is shocking what's happening. Qatar though, I I, I know what your point is on Qatar, and I, and I and like with building the stadiums and they can be used in soccer. To a point, I agree. Where I don't agree is they built seven new stadiums for this in a in a country the size of Qatar. I don't know that you're going to make use of those facilities. You'd make use of one or two to bring in friendlies and to have games and and do things. I, to me, what's going to happen here is they're going to find, I believe, I really believe they're going to find that they have no way to use a lot of these, a lot of these buildings. Yeah. I I, I, I just, the only thing with Cotter is that's one country that can afford this, the loss. It it can, Uh, it can. And yet at the same time, I, I, you know, I'm not against these events. I love these events. Um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm dumping on the events. I just think there's a way and maybe it's time to start looking and saying, you know, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic event. The facilities look great, but surely with the way things are going in the world, spending 229 billion for four weeks was excessive. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you for the Olympics. Absolutely. Because I think the time has come for that. Uh, and I think, you know, we talk about economics and, um, and, you know, and spreading the games around. But I think if you can keep it on, you know, maybe six or seven, you know, what do we got, five continents? Like, I mean, you can do something like that. Whereas I think that I'd like to see the World Cup played in several different places. I'd like to see that. And I think it's easily more accommodating. I think most places, like, look what we're doing this time in the next upcoming uh uh, World Cup. See, that one's okay. It's, going, that, it's yeah. going to be played in three different countries. And that one, I was just going to say, that I'm okay with. So then choose World Cup venues. You you may have to then tell some countries, 
you're not qualifying because we ha- we're going to places where there are existing stadia and we, we don't want to be just spending this kind of money. I mean, I, you and I both know that the people who run FIFA or the IOC are never going to utter the words, we don't want you to spend money. I mean, those words are never going to come out of their mouths. But you're right, with the, with the Americas, you know, it, you could go, there, there are how many? Uh, 25 countries in the world that would have sufficient enough stadiums within their country that you could host the World Cup, at least? Sure. sure. Here's a great example: the upcoming World Cup of ba- the the basketball World Cup. That's going to you know that Canada have already qualified for. It's going to be played. Uh, help me here: Indonesia, Philippines, and I'm missing one other country. It's going to be played in three across three different countries, all regional. You know, fairly regional. You know, a short plane ride or bus ride away kind of thing. It's the way to go. For it, sure, it, it is. It it really is. It's um, uh, it, it is. I say, I just, I, I just cannot wrap my head around $229 million for this event. As good as this has been, I'm not, I'm not knocking the event at all. It's just, it's, it's excessive to the point of being uncomfortable. Um, Well, Cutter, Cutter might've made it a little excessive too, by, by, by building stadia, outdoor stadiums that are air conditioned. Uh, yeah, that, that, that is true too. And by the way, uh, someone just, uh, someone just called in and said, um, that you said that there were 39 million people in Croatia. No, Baba said there were 39 million people roughly in Morocco. There's 3.8 in Croatia, but, uh, yeah, something like that. So yeah, yeah just yeah, so sorry. that's just for people who are clarifying, he was not wrong. We just misunderstanding on which country he was talking about. Anyway, uh, Another story that is very much percolating in the background, we're not hearing a lot about it, but it's ongoing right now, apparently, and that is the purchase of the Ottawa Senators or the process to make this happen. And everything we're still hearing is that Michael Andlauer is still the front runner in this, if there can be a front runner. We don't really, again, we don't really know because everything is in camera. But do you have any concerns? He's told me the answer is no, but do you have any concerns that if he was to buy the Ottawa Senators that something happens to the Hamilton Bulldogs? I I truly believe that no matter what happens, and I don't even extend this to the Ottawa, the purchase of the Ottawa Senators, I just think no matter what happens in his professional career, and I'm talking about Michael Ann Lauer here, that he will always have Hamilton in the, his best interest. And I truly believe that. So whether that means selling it to someone that he trusts or or maintaining ownership, kind of like Eugene Melnick did. I mean, he owned the Senators and I believe the the uh, team in Belleville. Um, I, I think that, you know, that, that can these two things can be kind of true in that way. Um I just can't see the Bulldogs not being here. It's it's a too good of a setup, and I know it's really irritating what's going on with the with the you know the closure of First Ontario Center and you know the way things were conducted and you know the kind of anger that you know Michael Ann Lauer probably had or disappointment at the very least the disappointment of the Toronto Rock um, and then the all out you know Mike Morielli just basically saying we can't do business with these people and you know, found a new home for the Hamilton Honey Badgers. Um, but to your question, I don't think the Bulldogs are, are going anywhere. No, I, I think you're right. And, and, you know, interesting when you say that he might sell. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if, if, 
And it's all very much an if, but if Mike Landlauer bought or became majority owner of the Ottawa Senators, you're probably talking about a, a team where we're hearing anyway, you know, it'll be seven to $800 million is what a lot of predictions are. An OHL team probably goes for 10 to 15. I mean, it, grand scheme of things, it's like you wouldn't have to sell. It's, it's a, it's a passion play on the side. It's a fun hobby that is here that he supports. I, I'm with you. I, I don't see anything happen, happening, but there's, there's the other part of this that everybody, Bubba, I have heard this from so many people over the last number of months or number of weeks anyway, since the stories came out about Michael Andlauer. Can he bring the team to Hamilton? Can he bring the Senators to Hamilton? That, that is, that is the number one thing. And you know, I, I, let me put it this way. I don't know if I would want to, if I was Michael Andlauer, honestly, I'd love to have a team here, but if you owned an NHL team and you don't know what the downtown of Hamilton is going to look like, and you have been quite honestly, not always treated really well by council here, would you bring your team to Hamilton? Of course not. Not not again. Look at the way this this whole renovation situation went down. People were very upset. People were disappointed. Um, I think everyone's excited, including you know, we we had talked to the mayor here at CHCH, and, and everyone's really excited about the possibilities of what we're going to see and what we're going to experience and the facility that's going to be here and what I would predict to predict to be what four years from now. Because, I, I, in my opinion, if you say it's going to take two years to build it, you might as well make it three. Um, Probably. So, you know, and by the time you finish the rest of the core of downtown and to what people really expect this to be, then you maybe add three or four more years to that. So, really, this is going to be a decade-long process. Could an NHL team be the leader in getting people back downtown? Absolutely. I just don't think it's with that particular owner, well, the man that could possibly own the Senators, if that were to happen. I don't see that happening. I just That's that's just my opinion. No, no. Well, so there are stories and repeated stories and enough that I believe that they are probably true and by reporters that I trust as good journalists. So I, you know, that basically say the NHL have made it, has made it very clear that as long as the LeBreton Flats project, which is a downtown arena development in Ottawa, as long as that goes ahead, you cannot take the team out of Ottawa. So it's staying there. Now, well, if I if, would think, I think it's a condition of sale. Quite honestly, not even with the National Hockey League. I think with with the Melnick family. I would assume that it probably is something that all the potential owners want to know: is that if this arena deal doesn't go through, then is this a mobile franchise? Mm-hmm. And that would be interesting. But the part about it then. Again, if you are the owner of a team, if you whether it's Andlau or anyone else, if you own a team, is Hamilton naturally the first location you would look to now when you've got a brand new arena, even though Hamilton's going to get a new fix-up? Are you going to get, there's a brand new arena in, say, Quebec City. There is Houston that is waiting as a market. There are other places. Is it guaranteed that you would come to Hamilton? I, I, again, I'm with you. I don't think so. Well, I mean, and we experienced this and in this city not just we i should use the city experience this uh i guess there was really two opportunities of a national hockey league team um being here in hamilton and there was one of the two in my opinion which were was really like there was really a chance of it happening 
and it didn't happen. And who's to say, um, I'm not naming names, Maple Leaf Sabres, <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> there were obstacles for this to happen. Uh, fast forward 30 years, are, have those obstacles changed, their opinion? Um, yeah, who knows? Having a team we in, don't, in their region? We don't know legally. We really don't know whether they can block anything. But, I mean, if you go back 30 years or more, there's even been more than two. I mean, there was two expansion bids that fell apart that didn't come here. There was Jim Balsillie who tried to bring the Pittsburgh Penguins and then the Nashville Predators and then the Arizona Coyotes, then the Phoenix Coyotes here. I mean, there have been efforts. There was talk at one time of the Edmonton Oilers maybe moving here, or the Vancouver Canucks moving here. Um, you know, H- Hamilton has always been used as the fulcrum on the lever to exert pressure on a team. You, hey, you don't want to build a new, us a new arena? We'll move to Hamilton. They're waiting. That's always yeah. what we've been. We've been the option that was never a real thing. The option, and yes, definitely used. I just think the opportunity with Mr. Balsilli was real. That, would, to me, was no joke. Agreed. I believe it. I, I think it was actually, I mean, if I can say it actually was going to happen, it was gift-wrapped for it all to go down. And somehow, some way, and I think this is one of these sports stories that, you know, you or myself, with the amount of people we know in this business, will never get the true story on what happened. You know, we got we to gotta run here, but one of the things that's so funny about this is that every time we bring up, uh, me or you or anybody, brings up the NHL in Hamilton, because every once in a while it, it raises its head again, and anytime it happens, people go, oh, come on. And I agree with them. I Like, I have always agreed and said, like, leave this alone. It's not coming. This Michael Andlauer, if he could get control of the Ottawa Senators, might be the closest Hamilton comes to getting a team. And yet I still think it's a million miles away. Like a million miles away. Yeah. And this I'm would be as close that. as we would have ever been. There would have to be, I really believe, about 500 things that would have to go down before Hamilton was ever really thought of as someplace that the team would be brought to. I really, I really think that I don't, you know, cause I know that if the rumor, if the story gets out, if it turns out in the next week or two or four or eight or 10, that Mike Landlauer is announced as the new owner of the, of the Ottawa senators, I know that that question will be the first thing people will talk about. When's it coming to Hamilton? Um, well, it'll, it'll all start with, you know, if these people, and I, when I say these people, I mean all of us here in this, in the, in this community, why don't we start getting eight to 10,000 people for Bulldogs games? That's a good start. It would be so, a good start. Uh, the, the answer to that always is, well, I only want, I, I want an NHL team and that's, you know, okay. Okay. But you want to know something we got, again, we got to run, but you want to know something? I always have believed that all the people who say I want an NHL team or many of them, have always believed, you know what will be great about a Hamilton NHL team? It won't be like the Leafs where they gouge us for prices. They will gouge us for prices, and then when the tickets are 400 bucks each, people here are going to go, oh, well, you didn't tell me it was going to be that much. Now, I can't, I'm not going to support that. <laughs> There's always going to be something. There's a, if anyone thinks that the day would come that an NHL team would arrive in Hamilton, you know, longest of long shots, but if that day ever comes... Uh, you better be prepared to sell one of your essential organs onto the black market to pay for tickets. They will be pricey. This is not going to be dollar store hockey here. This is going to be well, 
as probably one of the three or four most expensive tickets in the league. If it well, were ever to happen, to find, you have to find people in Winnipeg there, Scott. And I mean, that, who are facing that situation? They are top three in t- average ticket price, and, and that's little old tiny Winnipeg, which I think would be the closest comparable to Hamilton. Bob O'Neill from CHCH, the star of CHCH at six. Let's make sure that uh, Perkins knows that when uh, when you get off the air. <laughs> and Taz too, if you want, but I don't want to rub it into Taz. Uh, Bubba, thanks for doing this. Always appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.